Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. Today is, what day is today? Wednesday, December 19th, and uh, this will be the last podcast for the holidays, and we are going to be talking about Kubernetes and a a little bit of Vic and VMware containers, containers for containers for Christmas. That's what I'd like to say today. Um, this is podcast number 460. We're slowly edging up to the magic 500. Uh, with me, I have my you know special co-host Corey Romero. Corey, how you doing? Hey, Eric, I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, doing good, doing good. Getting ready for the holiday seasons. So kind of excited about that. Uh, before we get into the show, we'll just talk a little bit about a high holiday season. Most of us are going to be in different places uh, throughout the holiday season. So if you're on social and you're expecting a response, uh, don't expect much of a real-time response because everybody's all over the place. Uh, for instance, Kripa is in India. So she's out in India right now. She runs the code program. Josh, our tools, he's, uh, he's hiking in Thailand. So everybody's taking the couple weeks off. Julia, I think Julia is uh, Julia Klaus is on the call, but she's uh, she's in Brazil. Uh, and then of course I'm in Juneau, Alaska, and Corey is somewhere on a beach in Hawaii wearing a speedo. I think, right? Is that, or maybe I'm just joking. I'm not in Hawaii. No, Corey's it's it's a it's a pink it's a pink. So Corey's not in Juneau, and I'm not in Hawaii, or vice versa. <laughs> so so Corey, how's that? Are you getting ready for the break? Are you guys? Uh, Getting your house already. Um, I'm not sure if you celebrate the, the holidays or not, but I, I know I am. Uh, are you getting yeah, ready absolutely. for anything yeah. during the during the break? Yeah, yeah. We've got the stockings on the fireplace, the, nice. the decorations all around the house. The tree has been up. The lights on every night. Yeah, so you know, family's getting ready. Fun times. Right. So people celebrate the break all over the place. I know they, you know, go on, go on vacations. We might we might have particular holiday, you know traditions that we do. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Santa Claus, which is why I go up north to you know, help, help uh, Santa do the builds. I, I just think that I'm going to get a, a trailer hitch for my Jeep this Christmas. So I've been begging him for like, you know, nice trailer hitch. So I can get then one of those motorcycle, you know, ramps that I can put a motorcycle on the back of my Jeep Cherokee and, you know, go hang out in the Sierra Nevada mountains and break my leg and have all kinds of fun. Like, like that. So <laughs> maybe maybe we can finally do some I'm, dirt bike riding. Have a, yeah, maybe we'll get out there and get out and be less of nerds because all I do is sit around looking at computer screens all day, and I love it. So maybe I will, maybe I won't. Anyway, on the show today, we are going to talk uh, containers and Kubernetes. So uh, we've invited back uh, Bosky Savla. Uh, Bosky, uh, welcome to the show again. Um, I don't know if you're taking much of a holiday break, but just uh, welcome back to the show. Always nice to have you on. Thank you, Ray. Nice to be here. So. What, one of the things that uh, I've been getting a lot of questions from community is around um, VMware integrated containers, uh, what the what and 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 also uh, Kubernetes and basically modern applications. I've had at least five different uh, people in the ecosystem reach out to me and chat about the fact that uh, they're starting to look at uh, Vic and how exciting Vic is uh, working with engineers for next generation applications. And they're getting called into framework conversations. And uh, so I thought it would be fun to you know, go through some of these uh, conversations I've had with people and, uh, and just kind of cover uh, where Vic is as well as you know, the modern application frameworks with Kubernetes. Uh, we have Vosky on the call. 
So I thought it would be uh, interesting, you know, before Christmas to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, technologies that you might be able to mess around with and start to understand if you have some free time over the break where you want to just uh, sharpen up your skills on modern uh, technologies. I thought we would at least spend a little time talking about that today. And to open that up, I thought it might be uh, a good idea to talk and give a shout-out uh, to uh, one of the um, – product managers uh, or who worked uh, in Cloud Native, I don't think he works there anymore, um, and, and he has some great uh, YouTube videos uh, online uh, which talk a lot about uh, what is uh, Cloud Native, what is VIC, Integrated Containers, and uh, the video that you should probably go look for is um, uh, vSphere Integrated Containers Overview, uh, diagonally. Yeah. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, Boski, maybe you can uh, throw say his last name correctly so people can go find it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but I talk to him on a day-to-day -day basis, but it's, we just right, call him Patrick. Right. <laughs> we just call him Patrick. Patrick. If, you wanna, if you go to YouTube, he, he shows up. He does these great uh, glass-oriented whiteboards. So uh, I'll spell it for you, D-A-I-G-L-E. Um, and he has... Uh, I think four different videos on containers. He has a VIC uh, overview, which takes you through some good concepts of VIC uh, and how to run it on vSphere, um, which I, 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 you know, it's, it's a great, it's like a 35, 40-minute video that really gives you, from an administrator perspective, how to set up VIC. So administration layer, how to do the work you need to do on vSphere uh, to, to get that set up. Um, and he, he kind of talks about uh, the registry, what you need to do as an administrator to get the registry set up uh, to um, uh, the, the uh, networking infrastructure, how to do that. Takes you basically through the administration role. Then he talks about DevOps and the DevOps role of setting up your some containers if you want to have a container repository. So this 45-minute uh, this video takes you through, and he, he kind of does it on the glass does a really good job then explaining the DevOps role, what the DevOps people you need to be doing, and then all the way to what the engineering role is and how the engineers can use the APIs from uh, 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 Docker to be able to um, you know, run and pull you know, containers um, and, 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 and run those. So I think that uh, that's a great series. And then he has a, another uh, video out there that uh, talks about uh, storage and uh, what does it mean to set up storage on VIC, as well as another video on networking, um, and I think a, a fourth one on containers in general. I'm not sure what the fourth one is. Uh, but those series, if you look for Patrick uh, and Vic on YouTube, you can go watch those. That's like two or three hours worth of edu great education that you can use uh, to do that. So uh, I just definitely recommend uh, people go out and uh, uh, watch those if you're going to get started with, you know, you know coming up to speed with uh, how Vic is behaving. I know that I'm going to try to do this. Vosky, um, then, you know, as we, we talk about you know, containers, then you get into management frameworks. And I know that uh, the management framework is, is also important. And maybe you can talk us through a little, uh, a little bit between the, the container and Vic and then the, man, you know, uh, Kubernetes and how that works. And I have a couple of questions on 
can I run containers without Docker and so forth? But why don't you just uh, give us a little introduction. What are you working on today? If people haven't heard of you before, just tell us who you are. I know you were at AWS. You did sessions there. And uh, you were also at KubeCon, so maybe you can give us a little update on how KubeCon was going. And tell us a little bit about the, the industry in general, and then we'll kind of get into some specifics as we continue on the podcast. Yeah, uh, sounds good. So my name is Boski Saula. I am a technical marketing uh, engineer here within the cloud native BU at VMware. And typically what that really means is I'm talking about products and services like um, um, PKS, which is the Kubernetes on-prem solution on vSphere and AWS and G uh, Google Cloud, as well as Cloud PKS, which is kind of a managed Kubernetes offering. Um, kind of, um, you know, kind of evangelism a little bit around what that really means to our customers. Why do sh should they care about these technologies? What do they really mean, and which one really fits that? Depending upon what stage of adoption in the container lifecycle a customer is. Okay, that, that makes sense, yeah. right? And I know we've know we've had you on the show before about this. So. One of the things that uh, I found interesting was uh, there have been some articles on some of the job sites lately about you know IT administrators are you know that's kind of a dying a dying profession. They have a top 15 uh, careers that you should stay away from, and IT administrator and IT support personnel was uh, one of the ones that they said you know look it's it's going to go away. But what they said at the end of this is that. But the good news is that if you start talking about cloud services and cloud offerings and managing managing the cloud offerings, that that is an expanding role for the for the for these people. That as long as they're willing to transition and learn, and then they also threw in and modern application frameworks that are working with the developers are also opportunities for these IT practitioners. And so I thought that was interesting. And it comes back to you at uh, AWS and uh, talking at AWS and uh, our feel for you know, administrators and developers coming together at AWS. I found that interesting in that I see the administrators and developers all kind of consuming the same type of information uh, that, you know, and these products that are, are kind of are targeting both IT and developers all together. Are, are you seeing that? You know, I know you're out in the street uh, talking to people. Are, are, you, are you seeing the, the, the blend between the developer and the IT administrator and the DevOps people all coming into the kind of the cloud role of using these services? I think uh, so. Here's my take on this, right? So what's what's really happening is, like in in the you know when when there were no virtual machines, right? There were there was a pure line of separation between what a developer does and what an IT or an ops person does, and it was very clear. Like IT does all the infrastructure management, uh, you know, service build out and things like that, and a developer is essentially consuming that. Um, from the IT resource and um, working on building uh, a solid product or a software or whatever it is that um, they're trying to do with the code. And it was very clear, there's a clear line of demarcation, this is IT, this is developer. And then when virtual machines came over, I, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the developer now has that virtual machine sitting on his laptop and he can write code. 
but the thing is there's an op operating system that you know is associated with that virtual machine that we have to make sure whatever he's trying to do is compatible and um, you know they're, they're depending upon what they're going to run on um, between operating systems and everything else uh, they have to mark things out make sure everything checks out and things like that and even then there's still a clear line of demarcation is like you know, IT is responsible for delivering the production systems, making sure they're up and running, and um, yeah, the, the developer is really just making sure that the piece of code that they are writing works on specific OSs um, that they are running on their virtual machines, either on their laptops or some, some other place. And once they are, you know, satisfied with what they have written, they just throw it to an ops person, and the ops person is basically taking it from there and uh, making sure that 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 particular application is scaling. It's in um, an environment there where, depending upon the load, they have to set things up like load balancers, networking elements, and things like that. But with containers and kind of in this whole evolution towards getting more agility and more, um, you know, um, faster time to market is what I would say is like people want to adapt to new technology or adapt to a new application or develop something that is constantly changing based on user demand. Um, and that's where I think the realms are starting to a little bit merge together. We saw this with DevOps. It's no longer okay to have that clear line of differentiation. Like, you know, you have to work with ops. Ops has to work with development. They, they both kind of, these two sides need to um, kind of look at each other and it's more like a combined um, you know game that they have to come at and uh, so um, with containers um, and this whole concept around modern application build out the uh, the idea is that you know you're, you're you're developing something in a very agile fashion um, as a developer you have to understand what's going on with your app once it's in production um, if something goes wrong, um, you know, uh, you need to understand what went wrong. You know, there could be a platform engineer or something uh, sitting in between development and, you know, somebody who is like, for example, monitoring networking and things like that. But to come back to your point, I guess the roles are, I mean, there is still need for people uh, operations. They may not be termed as IT anymore. But uh, the role is just evolving into them being called more like platform engineers that work with development teams right. with more than traditional IT would in general have worked. That that makes sense. That makes sense. So uh, one of the de debates that I had with one of uh, one of my, one of my guys, uh, we, it was just a it's just a guy that I, I think works for uh, Workday over in uh, East Bay, and you know they run VMware infrastructure and some of that. And he was talking about containers. And one confusion that I had, and maybe you can just help me understand that as a container paradigm, if I'm you know running a container on a on a Linux OS, uh, do I need do I, is it required that I need Docker, or can I basically have a container, a container image that's deployed 
from from somewhere else besides Docker. I know clearly Docker is uh, one of the major ways to deploy a container in a in a in a, a zip file or whatever they're deploying with. But do I actually need Docker, or can I keep my repository of my own container images in my own data center and then deploy them how I see fit? Uh, that was one generic question. You might or might yeah. not be able to answer that, but there was some confusion between me and this engineer on how that behaved. So I think uh, the confusion is coming from um, the, the word itself. Like when, when we talk about containers, there are two things. One is the container runtime, essentially, is running a kernel um, as in, in your operating system. And the other uh -huh. is the container image itself, right? So a lot of times we just say container. So, but these are the two essential components. It's like a hypervisor and a virtual machine. Similarly, you need a container runtime and a container image to, um, uh, to work with. So that's your question, essentially, you need a runtime, whether that has to be Docker or something else like RKT, um, you know, it's fine as long as you have a runtime. But the image that's done on the supporting that particular runtime. So I cannot run a Docker container on an RKT container runtime and vice versa. So um, there are different container right. runtimes and you need one of them to run a specific container image. Right, so both of us were a little bit right, um, which I believe that you, you could run containers with, without Docker. Um, but you do then need a, uh, a container runtime of some type, and there are then multiple competing uh, container runtimes out there. And then it depends on what you choose to, to build your application from, your container app from, that then relies on some API to the container itself. Um, I, w I was always of the notion that you know Unix and Linux kernels had a, a container capability built into it, which is basically the OS cap capable piece of containers, but then there is a container runtime that sits on top of that that then you need. But there are multiple container runtimes depending on uh, who you select, whether it's Docker or somebody else. Is that correct? Yeah, so, is that, I'm yeah, so, okay. so I think a runtime is really, you know, it's a higher level of abstraction. I mean, it all started with activity, um, which is a way to run multiple processes isolated in the Linux kernel, right? So, but um, you can still do that, but the thing is, you know, when we talk container images, they're a little bit more sophisticated, a little, they, they have some elements to it that you need a runtime for them to operate on. So yeah, if you just want to, if, if you're running in the Linux kernel and you want, you know, C groups or to separate certain processes, you could just use that. But uh, it's hard to take those processes and put them in an image format and then run it somewhere else. And that's where you need a full-blown runtime to do that. Got it. So then I get uh, one more up to then Vic, right, which Vic definitely supports the, uh, the, the, the Docker runtime, right? Um, in, and do we, do we support a module that allows you to run a different runtime in Vic, or is Vic basically uh, a, a Docker model? Yeah, I think currently it's supporting only Docker. Okay, all right. Okay, well, good. Uh, that, that, that helps me understand that, and it was one of the conversations I had with one of the community members, so uh, I'll be able to get back to him and answer that. So, 
so good. And then, you know, obviously we have Vic, and uh, it's there, and, you know, it, it, it actually is handy. So you can go watch Patrick's video to kind of understand how to use it, how to get in the game, and, and add that, and that uh, onto your resume. And, and now we come up the stack to Kubernetes, right? And then we'll talk a little bit about cloud services where you can extend out into, into the cloud uh, your capability of supporting these modern apps. So maybe you should now take us to, okay, I have Vic. Where does Kubernetes fall into that? Does Kubernetes uh, sit on top of that runtime or rely on the Vic runtime, or is it a completely different paradigm? Okay, yeah. So I think when we created vSphere integrated containers, um, you know, the goal was to give uh, who are really familiar with vSphere as an interface and um, a similar interface to run a container uh, within uh, vSphere. And uh, that's where VM, vSphere integrated containers fit in. It, it, you don't even need to understand what the container runtime is. You, know, you just click a button and a container image gets a runtime gets created for you without you having to go you know, deploy a virtual machine, get an operating system running on it, get the runtime running on it, and then get your images on top of that. So it was more of a solution where if you are just starting to venture with with containers, you're you're still you know kind of tipping your toes in water and seeing like what it looks like. That's where we you know Wick was a great way to start off. Like, and the other reason why you know some some people get more comfortable with containers and they want to maybe move an application that they're running within a virtual machine to a container image and then run it on Vic. Got it. And the great right. use case is like if you want to run one or two virtual machines and you want to maybe decompose one of the front-end services and put that in a container image, um, you know, WebSphere or something like that is a great example. Um, you could do that. Uh, but what, what starts happening is as you start going through this journey of containerizing your applications or even building new ones, um, you kind of get to a point where you're running so many containers that it's, it's important to have some kind of an orchestration layer. It's like, you know, virtual machines were great and if I ran like five virtual machines on an ESXi server, um, that's, that's great. I can, you know, still get a lot of efficiency out of it. But suddenly if you're running 20, 10 or even like you know, more than 50 machines in multiple sites, you need something like a vCenter to orchestrate, to manage things like that. So that's where I think if, if, people, if customers start using more and more containers and um, they want an orchestration system that can wrap around um, or can manage a lot of them, um, that's where Kubernetes, some of the technologies like Kubernetes comes in as a container orchestration engine. Now, if you're running already Vic, and if you have containers running in Vic, Kubernetes can, you know, it, you're essentially having those containers run an image or based off of an image. And uh, you can set up a Kubernetes environment and push your images to Kubernetes. But um, if you're already running a container within Vic, uh, you can't point Kubernetes to that Vic container engine and say, you know, manage that for me. Although it's a doctor. Uh, and one of the reasons for this is Kubernetes, when, you, when, when it's trying to, you know, essentially Kubernetes is managing the different container runs from the nodes. And it needs to 
product in things, it needs to place certain modules within the kernel so that it understands what's going on and kind of sense the pulse of uh, what's happening to in, in, in order to orchestrate better. And WIC currently is just a Docker runtime, right, on Photon OS. So um, that's where you, if you set up a different Kubernetes environment, it, should, it shouldn't be that hard to just push the container images that are running on WIC to a Kubernetes image, or sorry, to point them to the Kubernetes environment. Right, okay, that makes sense. So really Kubernetes then, you know, ups the game into orchestration of all of your, your workloads that happen to be container enabled, right? But then Kubernetes actually is just a whole management framework embedded in the kernel to be able to, you know, orchestrate uh, a large number of, of containers running on an on a infrastructure. Is that uh, replaying that back correctly? Right, yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, and then, and then we've had uh, different product offerings that, that we've talked about in the past, where you've come on and explained this before. But now we kind of uh, understand, you know, where containers sit, um, how that works, and then uh, Kubernetes done by Google. Um, you know, we've gotten on board with that, and that's like enterprise orchestration of of containers uh, using using the Kubernetes framework. Um, and then we had an on-prem Kubernetes offering, which we have, you know, shifted names around a couple times, um, and and now we have the on-prem version of I think we're calling PKE, right? Or maybe you can help me with the names. There's the on-prem, and then there's the cloud service. So the on-prem is what, and the cloud service is now named what? Yeah. So the on-prem offering is called PKS uh, for vSphere on uh, sorry Kubernetes on vSphere. And the cloud offering is called Cloud PKS. So it's really simplified now. PKS for on-prem, Cloud PKS for the managed service. Great. On-prem and PKS, uh, Cloud PKS for the uh, on-cloud yep. version. Okay, great. And, uh, and, and I know being at AWS, we obviously talked about uh, cloud on uh, AWS. Cloud PKS on, is then hosted on AWS. Um, are there other cloud, are there cloud providers that we're thinking about uh, offering cloud PKS to? Do we have any other ones? Are we thinking of other ones? I know you're not allowed to talk about futures, but just a conversation around uh, AWS cloud PKS versus other cloud offerings? Are you guys considering a multi-cloud offering for PKS, cloud PKS? Yeah, I think that's the goal with cloud PKS is to kind of abstract away clouds, right? So if um, a customer or a user needs or they have a strategy around multi-cloud and they want their Kubernetes to be managed, then that's what cloud PKS will help them get there. Uh, right now it's available on AWS and uh, there is support for Azure being added currently. Great, great, great. Okay, so so that makes sense. So now I have the whole framework. I understand what we're offering, and then obviously um, uh, PKS on-prem is just you know you want Kubernetes to manage your container format uh, framework. Um, one thing I got, I think you, you touched on this, but I I think I didn't pay attention enough to grok the answer, which is. Um, I'm running Vic. I move my container under the PKS framework. Um, does PKS still require Vic, or do I don't need Vic anymore? I'm running PKS on top of vSphere, and PKS manages 
the, the necessary APIs to allow me to run Docker containers, or do I do I use vSphere and Vic installed and sub, and then run PKS on top of that, or just PKS uh, bundle all that together and I don't really need to know? Yeah, no, it, you don't need Vic to run PKS. Um, so okay. I'll, I'll tell you what PKS does. It's essentially Kubernetes has this construct called worker nodes and master nodes. Um, basically, master nodes is the brain, and worker nodes are the um, are essentially uh, units that contain more than one containers and are executing uh, or or have the container runtime and are executing those container images and the code within them. So what okay, we got do with PKS is basically when you deploy PKS and you point them to your vCenter server and your NSXT um, uh, manager, it basically starts uh, uploading a stem cell, which is essentially a lockdown Ubuntu image uh, with some CIS security implementations in place that will spin up like depending you know you can say I want two node cluster, five node cluster, whatever, and it will just duplicate that stem cell to create a Kubernetes cluster for you. And once it does that, that each um, worker node and master node that gets spins up has the Docker runtime already running in it. It already has the Kubernetes components uh, like kubeproxy, kube, um, a couple of other like SCD stores and things like that already configured and running within those images. And uh, what you get back is a Kubernetes API that you can talk to, and that essentially is going to be your master node uh, IP address, basically. And okay, got it. API, what somebody could do is say, okay, here's my image. Can you run this? And I can say, I want you to run this two times or have two instances always running or five instances always running. And Kubernetes will then take your image and it will distribute that image amongst those worker nodes depending upon how much load each worker node has. That's good. So one obvious question, does PKS on-prem run on vSphere? Yeah. Yeah, vSphere. Yeah, you get PKS on-prem. It comes with the Docker runtime embedded on it. Uh, you you go through the PKS, you know, implementation architecture implementation where you then have worker nodes, you have master nodes, worker nodes, and you're, that that is your stack. And so the the uh, VIC isn't isn't required at all because you're going to basically go PKS, which has the entire framework sits on top of vSphere available to you. Right. So that was that was the answer. Okay, good. Um, so, so now I have the whole stack. I kind of I could draw a picture of that if you're listening and you're 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 along for the ride here, and you're going to do your Christmas project. I call this the Christmas Container uh, 101, where you could go play Vic and get Vic's running pretty easily and get some you know test containers running, or you could go. PKS uh, on-prem, you can probably go uh, pick that up somewhere and get a get a you know a temporary license if you're lucky and uh, and play with that uh, during your holiday break if you want to. It's kind of a cool, cool geeky project to do. Um, and and then if uh, you know if you're you're really serious about uh, the world, you can also look at cloud PKS, uh, which is currently on uh, AWS and Amazon, and that's expensive. So you're probably not going to go hack on that very much because. Yeah, yeah. If anybody wants to run it on Cloud PKS, currently there's a promotion going on where you will get $150 promo credit. So you can apply that credit and just play with the 
uh, product or the service if you like. Uh, just go to cloud.vmware.com um, and look up Cloud Kcast. You'll see the promo codes up there. Great, great. Which now uh, two of the people that came and talked to me, uh, one of them was around the questions around Docker versus raw containers on Linux, that kind of stuff, which you've answered. The second guy you know, wanted to know how to how to run PKS and where to run it, and so we've got some answers for him now as well. So that, that's great. So uh, good. Now we can talk a little bit, uh, you know, because uh, I know we killed uh, some a little bit of time. We're off time from the podcast just because uh, we had a telco issue here earlier in the podcast, which we will edit out. So if you're one of the quick listeners, you're going to hear some of this, but otherwise you won't. Um, we want to come back and talk a little bit uh, about um, – uh, KubeCon and what your experiences were. What's that about? Um, is that the show to go to? If you if you're paying attention to some of the stuff, uh, KubeCon I know was in Seattle. I believe you were there. Why don't you give us a little bit about KubeCon? What it was, what your experience was like, and uh, what you'd like to teach people about uh, staying in in touch with the the community of uh, Kubernetes users. Sure. So I think KubeCon is uh, uh, a huge uh, community-oriented event around Kubernetes, and it's hosted by the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, which is the same foundation that hosts the Kubernetes open source project as well. And uh, it is held every year in North America, uh, in Europe, and this year they even started doing it in APAC, and the first one was in China. and um, it's, it's phenomenal. If you just want to realize how Kubernetes is growing, you just just see the number of uh, people going to KubeCon. It's just, I think, I believe two or three years ago when it started, uh, the KubeCon, the first KubeCon was only 800 people. And this year, the KubeCon in Seattle had around 8,000 people. So it's going at a 10x rate, right? And um, the next Kubernetes, I mean, um, the next KubeCon would be in 2019 in Europe, in Barcelona, in May. So it's it's a very interesting uh, place to be if you really want to know, you know, learn about Kubernetes and talk to the community and you know just just get a sense of what's going on. It's a great place to be. Uh, you'll see a lot of. Um, Real life use cases like you know what's going on, how are you know enterprises adopting Kubernetes, and um, what are the challenges they are seeing, what are the other you know possible solutions they are looking at, and uh, some of the newer technologies like a service mesh coming up, and what that really means, and uh, how people are adopting or changing to that. Uh, it is a great show. Um, uh, the, this show was one of the biggest shows ever. Uh, in fact, it was sold out. They had like a thousand people just in wait list for the show, and they couldn't expand because of you know the venue was like already locked in and security reasons. Um, but the good news is uh, all the KubeCon Cloud Native uh, Con um, show um, videos that they do during uh, these events are recorded live, and they are uploaded to a YouTube channel called CNCF. So if you wanna just take a look at what happening there and what VMware is doing, what are some of our customers within VMware doing with Kubernetes. Um, I would recommend one specific video where T-Mobile is up there. T-Mobile is a huge uh, VMware um, customer and they recently started adopting PKS and Kubernetes. 
and they have a talk where they kind of walk uh, through their journey to adopting Kubernetes and containers and why they did that. So uh, if you just YouTube, Google search, T-Mobile, KubeCon 2018 talk, you should be able to get to that. All right, uh, T-Mobile, put it in the notes here, T-Mobile, KubeCon uh, 2018. Yep. And uh, just to make sure, it's on YouTube, and you said that the, the channel is uh, CNCF, CNCF, is that what you said? Okay. Yeah, it's uh, Cloud Native Computing Foundation. They have a YouTube channel. Right. From this show, right. they have 350 YouTube videos posted. So <laughs> if uh, if you just want to run, I mean, that's what I'm going to do over the weekend is just run each of them. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, no, that's kind of the idea of this Christmas show is to get people kind of spun up and what does this mean? And I know you guys are, you guys are deep in it. Uh, some people are, you know, starting to touch it. So uh, this, is, this has been great. So uh, did VMware have a presence at, uh, at the show? Do we, do we, do we show yeah. up and do anything there? Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What's, what's it like so for people in the VMware ecosystem? Yeah, VMware had a huge presence there. We had like a 20 by 20 booth, of course, at the show floor. And apart from that, I think, uh, you know, not many people don't realize that, but we are one of the biggest contributor back to the Kubernetes project itself. So a lot of our engineering folks are involved in the open source project and um, the open source office uh, was there as well. We had like a lot of the developers that are working on these projects, um, you know, have talks. I think VMware had around seven to eight talks just um, in the show um, breakout sessions. And uh, we had a workshop there, a full day workshop about um, service mesh with uh, Kubernetes on Cloud PKS. So it, it was pretty interesting. Nice. Yeah, all right. Good, good. I, I would say that uh, we did, it, it's fascinating to, um, Look at these shows uh, for VMware Code. We're we're trying to get out now and be where where people are, right? As opposed to the VM worlds of the uh, where we, we we obviously do power sessions for 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 various developer topics. But when we went to AWS and you know we scanned 2,200 people that came through the AWS booth while we were there for the four days, and uh, we got that list back. And you look at the people that are there. There are you know like probably 60 to 70% of them are software engineers of one category or another. So it is fascinating to, to then go to these shows and take a look at the people who are there. There are people that are definitely building apps, writing apps. There were IT people in the list, like maybe 20% of them were IT-oriented DevOps type, type roles you can see in their titles. Uh, but, you know, 80% of them, you know, or maybe 75% of them were absolutely software engineers that were, were there looking at, you know, and, and yet they're still talking about compute frameworks, but they're, the engineers themselves are engaged in the compute framework conversations. Uh, so, yeah. so it's interesting dynamic to see, see how VMware can now reach, uh, you know, the, the engineering-oriented people that are starting to have infrastructure-type conversations and that the infrastructure and software are emerging. And you can see that in the profile of the users. So I can imagine KubeCon is very similar to the, the AWS crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a lot of developers, um, software engineers crowd. And um, I think VMware is really uh, – it's a great way of – well, 
I mean, some of that are for example, the open fast which is um, open source functions as a service. Uh, I think um, the open source office um, was there with that technology. We have dispatch, which is now has a sling, and it's an enterprise grade functions. Um, uh, solution from uh, VMware, and it's on. It's a fling out there. So if you want to check that out, um, uh, that, that it's a great project. Again, it's a great way to just get kick started if you're wondering what functions are and how can something like that help me as an IT or a VI admin. Um, there's a talk from Bunt, who is the developer behind um, one of the developers behind this project, and. Uh, they created a recent fling. It's an OVF file. You can download it, install it, and you know just check it out. It it can help you do a lot of things. And if you want to really know what that what what those things are, it um, just look up uh, Burns video on VMworld. These videos are available on video uh, videos .com, I believe. Um, and yes, it is. Yeah, they're, and they're open to the public. Yeah. Yeah, how IT can automate events-based, you know, event-driven automation using Dispatch. So that's a great project to check out as well. Taking some notes here so I can publish them in chat in later automation. So thanks for that. I'll try to publish that in chat. Now talks you actually uh, tracks and keeps and publishes all the chat. Uh, chat room uh, conversation, so I can put some links into the the, the chat room now. So if you're not used to uh, getting online, you can go to vmw.re/pod, uh, vmw.re/pod, and uh, click on the episode, and you can then look at the chat log. So as we're talking about these things, I'll go look them up and uh, edit the new version of the video and put the links in so if people want to come back and uh, get some of the links to this stuff, they can, and uh, that will be good for everybody. Uh, so yeah, so this sounds like you've been busy. Uh, Bosky, what are, what are you looking for in uh, 2019? Um, more of the same, any kind of big goals that you're, you're hoping to, 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 to move forward with, uh, with, the, with your programs in 2019, or is it mostly all of the same? And then uh, big goals, and what keeps you up at night? Yeah, I, I think um, 2019 will be really interesting, especially we have our Heptio folks on board now, and um, it will be interesting to see how we um, you know, kind of enhance our overall uh, position and solution offerings. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and in general, I think uh, there's so much activity happening around um, this whole cloud-native landscape that you're always catching up to it. So uh, my goal is just to keep constantly learning new things that are coming out from this uh, amazing foundation. And, all right. Well, fantastic. I'm, I'm super impressed uh, with, with all of the work that Cloud Native Team uh, engineers have been doing now, and uh, the AWS services and the hybrid cloud services and uh, Cloud PKS now, uh, and and being able to give you some uh, dollars to go play, and uh, be careful if you're going to go play PKS on AWS. Uh, you know, you get a credit, of whatever the number is, 100 and some dollars, but uh, uh, be careful that you don't spin up a bunch of services and leave them running because VMware will send you a bill, and uh, we've had some <laughs> of the experts that run into trouble with that. So I caution everybody that yeah, definitely it's fun to go play. I've set up. Uh, 
some play playgrounds on AWS, and uh, I have to make sure that I'm going to turn them off before my free credits run out. So, uh, and there isn't much I can do to help you with your bill when you uh, when you when you do accidentally uh, spend too much money there because uh, those are costs that AWS sends to us. So. So, but go have fun with that. Uh, that, that. That looks like an opportunity. Or go get uh, PKS uh, uh, on-prem and play with that. And uh, that should keep you busy for the whole holiday season. So, uh, fun, fun, fun stuff. Uh, uh, Boski, thanks for uh, you know coming on the show and being with us. Um, I, I, I can imagine you're going to probably take next week off and uh, get to relax a little bit. Uh, any yeah. any any things that keep you up late at night? What are you worried about from an industry? Just keeping just keeping current with everything. That's what you said, right? Yes, I think so, that would be the number one. one. <laughs> Yeah, big one. Right. Right. Yeah, right. I, right. I all the time. <laughs> right. Well, the, the the great news being in Silicon Valley is that uh, it, it, that if you don't like doing this, you should probably live in the Bay Area. You should go somewhere cheaper. Uh, but if you do love it, this is a this is a great place to be because there's just so much tech that you can always uh, learn learn new things and and innovate and 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 probably I hopefully have fun with it. So. I hope you have fun over the holiday break and get some good quality time to, to geek out and learn some new things. So, that's fun having so thanks, you thanks, here. Thank, thank you. Thanks, thanks for being on the show. How do people follow you? Or you're on Twitter, I assume. What's your Twitter handle? Do one more uh, shout out, and then we'll uh, end with a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's at the rate boss P, uh, B O S K E Y. All right. Good. What was the bit at at something you said, Bosky? Uh, no, the Twitter handle is at the rate Bosky. So uh, B O N. It's just B O S K E Y. Okay. All right. Great. Great. All right. Well, good. Uh, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll finish up with uh, anybody have anything uh, barbecue related. Uh, let me know what that might be. I did some tri tip with a. With an amazing uh, Korean barbecue sauce, which uh, I thought was pretty good, but we had to use a flat iron pan to sear the 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 the, the flavor of the Korean barbecue on the meat to kind of make it glaze. So you use a super hot uh, iron pot pan, you know, one of the big heavy ones. You have you get that stuff, you marinate it overnight uh, with the Korean barbecue sauce, and then bam, you put it on the meat and it turns black and crunchy. Uh, and uh, that, was, that was a pretty good piece of barbecue. Uh, we do a Christmas Eve party at our house, so we're gonna we're gonna buy like we invite like 30 or 40 people over and just have fun. Uh, none of us are very super religious, but we do have the Christmas Eve barbecue um, where we're gonna we're gonna do up the Korean tri-tip. So should be fun. Sweet. That's that's better than mine. That's way better. What than is mine. yours? The last so, thing you did was like a barbecued pineapple or something. I'm not sure what what you got going now. It, it was barbecued barbecue grapes last time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, grapes. Exactly. So, so this time, um, if you have kids coming uh, over for Christmas and you're barbecuing, uh, which it sounds like you might be, Eric, um, and you want something more kid-friendly, um, take some frozen chicken nuggets and throw them on the grill. Those turn out awesome. There you go. Oh my gosh, that's a, that's an interesting idea. I might have to go try that one. Um, they, they I'm also nice on my list. Barbecue chicken nuggets. There you go. That's yeah. a, that's a new one. 
as always, Wonder Nerd comes up with uh, one that I hadn't thought of. So there you go. That's it. It is now uh, 1.13 in the afternoon. So I think we've managed to do an hour podcast with the, with the break. So thanks for everybody for listening. I hope you have a super geeky, fun uh, break over the holiday. Uh, we're not going to do one next week because it is, uh, it is the holiday and none of us are going to be here. Uh, thanks to Julia Klaus for dialing in from Brazil uh, and being on the call. I appreciate that. And to everyone else out there, have a, have a great holiday season. Uh, I hope you get some geek out time. And we'll see you back in early January, happy and refreshed. And with that, we will hit the big stop recording button now. <laughs>